0: Welcome to Territory Tales, the stories behind the people and places that make Oregon's Mount Hood territory so darn awesome. Not that I'm biased, totally am, but for good reason. I'm your host, Jared Lyman, joined as always by Molly Johnson, the other half of my brain. Molly, who are our guests waiting to hear the story behind today?
1: Today, we have the awesome Ken Johnson. We share the same last name. I don't know if you knew that.
0: It's great.
2: uh, We're probably cousins.
1: Probably, in another life, yeah. (laughs) Um, But he is the owner of uh, Fearless Brewing Company in Estacada. We're so happy to have you here.
2: Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. It's fun (laughs) to be here.
0: Well, it's really exciting because, you know, we talk a lot about the craft beer scene mm-hmm. in Oregon in general, but especially Oregon's Mount Hood Territory, because despite, you know, not having the population that nearby Portland does, we have some really unique and talented beer crafters here. But, Agreed. you know, as, as the scene has developed, you're, you're kind of the OG of the Mount Hood Territory <laughs> brewing scene. You've been at this for a long time, darn near 20 years, right?
2: Yeah, we started building the brewery in 2002, and uh, we opened the brewery June sixth of two thousand three, D Day. I thought that was appropriate. Ooh, wow! So um, yeah, it's, we just passed sixteen years, so we're in our seventeenth year. And I paid the building off a couple of years ago. So <laughs> there you yeah. go.
1: Wow, that's a big accomplishment. Oh, it's self. huge. Jeez.
2: I you find can't myself
0: believe. doing the math because I still can't believe that two thousand three <laughs> is sixteen years ago. I'm like, yeah. no, because that's like the nineties when I was still in high school. Oh, <laughs> darn! I'm older than I'd like to admit. Yeah, you were you were none. <laughs> wow! And on that note, our next podcast will have a new guest host. <laughs> no. You can't do that. Either. I can't. I can't. Everybody's for here, her. Uh, here for her, not me. No. What got you into the beer scene, though? Yeah.
2: Um, when Mrs. Johnson and I got married, we couldn't figure out what to get, what beer to get for the party. So me and my <laughs> friends went on a quest around Portland, and at the time there were only like three or four. Breweries. And we finally landed on a a craft beer keg and and at the party, one of my friends because I was commenting about how can beer cost this much? The keg (laughs) we bought was like $80. Wow. And I remember when I was in college buying, you know, something macro swill light kegs for (laughs) like 35 bucks. And I thought, how could beer get to be this expensive? And my head was just exploding. One of the guys at the party said, you know, I got a friend that makes beer, and I'm like, yeah, right. You just make beer. That's a (laughs) lie. It comes down from Olympus, from the (laughs) gods themselves. (laughs) So, uh, Mrs. Johnson was listening to this, thought I was obsessing about the company I owned at the time. I was in the auto parts industry, and I distributed engine kits, engine parts, all over the West Coast. Oh, wow. And uh, so she thought I was obsessing about that company and thought I needed a hobby. So, she went and bought me a homebrew kit for Christmas, and that's what started it. It was so 1995. She,
0: so she takes you from one obsession yeah, to the other.
2: Exactly, yeah, that's what she you? claims. <laughs> is that I'm just obsessive naturally, so I started obsessing about the beer, and yeah. I was entering competitions, and I was winning them all. Oh, so uh, I won uh, the first big one was I won the best of show at the 1998 Rose Festival Homebrew Competition.
0: Oh wow! That's-
2: so I entered three beers. Two of them got gold, and one a silver, and one of the golds won the best of show and it was like 400 400 beers at this thing so we just decided that i wanted to get out of the auto parts business so i just decided if i could find an exit ramp i was going to (laughs) get out and perfect so uh uh, and go make beer so i managed to strong arm one of our partners there were five of us three of us wanted out and so one of them was a lottery winner (laughs) believe it or not so we talked him into buying us out so in 1998, I was out. Yeah. So I wanted to go work in a brewery, and I went to every brewery in the area, and nobody would hire me. Too old. Aww. I was 35 at the time, and uh, I remember sitting across the table from the last guy I interviewed with. We laugh about this now. And he said, uh, so let me get this straight. So you're like this ex-corporation president, and now you want to come back here and scoop grain for 7 bucks an hour. I don't get it. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I want to make beer. And he's like we'll call you. I knew he wasn't going to. so <laughs> I knew he was never going to call. So I went home and I told Mrs. Johnson, I said, I think if the only way I'm going to get to brew is if I build my own brewery. And, you know, we weren't rich by any means, but, you know, we were both pretty hard workers and we had a little bit of savings. And so we just started planning it right then. And so by the time we roll around to 2002, we found a building and I'd found some equipment and we were lucky enough at the time that A lot of breweries went down in flames in the late 90s. And then after 9-11, the big economy dip that we had then, it really took a bunch of them out. And if you were paying attention, this brewing equipment was sitting in the road ditches. If You just keep your eyes peeled. So I managed to get my first brewing system for about $10,000. So I had a seven.
0: Pretend I know nothing about brewing. Yeah. Because it's not a large leap to make. What would that normally cost? I mean, what kind of savings are you talking about here?
2: I know that the kettle that I bought in this group of equipment, I know that the original owners paid over 30 grand just for the kettle.
0: Whoa.
2: So and you got you a like pretty good discount. Thing. I it's a smoking yeah. deal. Wow. Yeah. The, the brew house that we installed, I just installed a new brew house in 2015. It's a 15 barrel, but just the brew house, which is the kettle, the mash ton and the, the basic rigging and stuff to connect all of that was uh, over one hundred seventy-five thousand. Oh my God! So oh my yeah,
0: but now, but now you figured out why that keg cost eighty bucks. Yes, <laughs>
2: you do. <laughs> so, uh, so we were rolling, but when we opened those doors, June sixth, we were out of money. I mean, out. I didn't know how bad it was. The wife was kiting money between credit cards and uh-huh. stuff like that. Oh, Thank God. God we were in the black from the first day. That and that's rare. We're having all-
0: having been a business owner, that, that's super awesome and rare.
2: You know what? But that says a lot for my community. But it also and says it, a
0: lot for your product.
2: Okay. But oh. nobody knew what my product was. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, Estacate is just such a great town. We love being there. We love the people. They, and thank goodness they love us back to a certain extent. We, we've done really well there. And, but that says a lot about the town.
0: Well, and one of the other benefits of the town is... is water. And I was, was going to go there. I was going to let water you use segue. your line. Dude, I'm telling you. I love this line that you use, but you don't think you could make as good a beer anywhere but Estacada. So no tell way.
2: tell why. Estacada's water is pristine. It's surface water from the Clackamas River, and it is just pristine. It's very, very soft. There's nothing in it. It's a blank slate. So, uh... Adding desirable elements to brewing water is much easier than trying to remove undesirable elements. So when you get water that's such a blank slate like this, uh, yeah, we can make any kind of beer we want. Because with a blank slate, say I want to emulate the water of you know, Burton-on-Trent or something like that. Well, you just add the desirable components, and there you go.
0: So the, the, the magical waters of the Clackamas River is a line that I believe yeah. you've coined yep. that I absolutely love. But you you explain it well because, I mean, the Clackamas River is a officially designated wild and scenic river. Yeah. And as such, you're getting something that, you know, maybe some of the other large brands claim to have, but they're just taking it out of a tap.
2: <laughs> yeah, they're goofing. We've got it. <laughs> you get to play on the r- river all day and uh, have a lot of fun on the Clackamas River and then come drink some beer made from it. It's, it's magical. It, it really, really is. is.
1: We love going and recreating yep. out there. It's beautiful. And I hiking, get to make a living from it. So that's... We do. That is the best. Really wonderful. I, I am obsessed with um, just the entire atmosphere out there. We mm-hmm. love going... My man and I, we love going out there with our dogs and playing on the Clackamas yeah, yeah. River or hiking by it and then coming into the town and having beer, having food at the little restaurant down the street. Yep. It's
0: perfect.
2: Yep. <laughs> it's a great town. Yeah. We're very lucky.
0: A lot of really cool things for such a small town, yeah. and I know we're we're here to talk about Fearless Brewing, but I mean, I think Fearless Brewing and Estacada kind of go hand in hand. I mean, I there's hope so you're iconic there, but for such a small town, it really does have mm. a lot of really cool things to offer.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. We got a great bakery. Uh, you know, we only have the one grocery store, but they're really nice folks, and they've got all kinds of unique stuff that's really locally made. And yeah, the whole town is there's. I could talk just for three hours just about the town. (laughs) I do want to focus
0: on the beer. I want to give you the chance for that. But so tell us where the brand name Fearless came from.
2: It was a childhood nickname. My pappy used to call me Fearless when I was a little bitty kid. So (laughs) I just when I started in homebrew, everybody was naming their beers that they would enter in competitions. So I just started naming everything Fearless because I guess I don't have an imagination. (laughs) So it was a Doppelbach. It was Fearless Doppelbach and you know just like that so okay how we, did you
0: earn this this nickname from your father were I, you doing crazy things i
2: suppose <laughs> <laughs> i'm clear out in the middle of the prairie i mean we were i grew up you know 15 miles away from the nearest concrete oh wow there wasn't even any pavement out there man so <laughs> we were out there so uh
1: well wait wait where was that at?
2: central nebraska nebraska
1: okay yeah. so at what point what brought you from nebraska to oregon
2: uh jimmy carter pretty much ended family farming so yeah <laughs> So I was, uh, I had some family out here and I figured they wouldn't let me starve to death. So I sold everything I owned and I still had this 73 Monte Carlo and two changes of underwear. And I think I landed with a couple hundred bucks is all I had left and got here April fool's day of 87. That's all I had. I am not a trust fund baby. (laughs) 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 So so
1: you got here and is is here where you met your wife? Yep. Okay.
2: Okay. So So it worked out then. Yes, sir. It did. Yes. (laughs)
0: So tell us about the different type of beers you have because you have some 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 you know some traditional stuff to the northwest, but also some right. really unique things that are, are you know specialized to you.
2: Well, we started off with just the Scottish ale. I've always loved Scottish ales, and that's kind of an anathema to most of the beers that are made in the northwest. that are very hoppy and you know very in your face hoppy. Scottish beers are not. They're not very hoppy at all. They're more malt uh, forward, and but there's a lot of complexities in the malt. You know, it's it's got a real nutty kind of roasty flavor going on, and there's a lot of big caramel in it. And a Scottish ale that's done properly is a very unique, it's, they throw it in with the amber category, but it's a very unique amber. So we started off with the Scottish. We also did a pale ale because my wife likes pale ale. So she had a recipe when I was a home brewer that she really liked, and so we made that.
0: Well, you got to make something that you guys drink in case nobody else buys yeah. it. So, I
2: mean, <laughs> which morphed into uh, the Clackamas Pale that we we make right now. Okay. So, uh, there were some other beers that we we've done IPAs all the way along, and nothing really stuck until about five years ago. This one that we have now, we named Thor's Hammer because it's just I built quite a contraption to <laughs> stir the fermenter. You know, during the dry hop phase of fermentation, I built quite a contraption to keep it. St- mixed up so anyway it's just really it's just uh hop flavor and aroma just like it's i'm throwing it at your face (laughs) (laughs) everybody loves that beer so we're still making that one i'm I'm
0: guessing you know subtlety is not in your nature it's probably not in your beer either i
2: can't even pronounce that word (laughs) so we make these beers we call our x series so um and my four o'clock crew that's on the bar every day they get to help me decide how to make the x beer so we've got another x ipa in process right now and it's going to be kegged on the 26th so i'm sure we'll get rid of that one pretty fast (laughs) but uh i do a porter everybody likes to make stouts and really huge dark beers but i just wanted something that was uh, really approachable and easy to drink. And so we've made porter all these years. And I constantly, people are saying, well, did you make a stout? Are you ever going to make a stout? Well, probably not. Because <laughs> nobody's making a porter. And this thing's won all kinds of medals. And so we just started canning the porter. So we've got that porter. And we, uh, I've always had this weird thing about English brown malt. So we always tried to make a, a brown, and it just wouldn't sell. We're sitting out there the one day drinking this brown and going, God, this is such a good beer. And it's, you know, really nice and round and a great aroma. And God, it's just really great red color. And we thought, ding, let's call it a red. <laughs> so we changed the name from Tomahawk Brown because it had Tomahawk Hops in it. Changed it. And we thought, what could we name this thing? Let's call it Loki. Because Loki was a shapeshifter, right? Mm-hmm. He could appear any way he wanted. So we thought, what a great deal for a beer that's actually an English brown. We're calling it a red, so we call it Loki Red Ale, and that one took off. And uh, we Willamette Week picked that as one of their top ten beers and a couple of years ago, oh my goodness. top ten beers in the area. So uh, we're still making Loki. I,
0: I like the name just because I have a Malibu puppy named Loki <laughs> at home, so that works. I feel like
1: you yeah. need to go have. A can
2: of that, just like in your house. And it says, "There you go. go. Uh, everybody uh, should, frankly. Well, yeah, yeah everybody should. Have a <laughs> at, least a can. At, at least a can. At least a can. Sixteen ounce cans available in all your better retail locations. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this message brought to you by Fearless Brewing. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love uh, putting people on the spot who who make things. Yeah, you you've made all different sorts of beers over the years. What has been your favorite creation?
2: Cool. You know, um. We make our strong scotch ale every fall, and I really love strong scotch beers that are done correctly. But if you're asking me, you know, in the end, what do I feel is the, the biggest uh, contribution to Fearless Brewing Company has got to be that Scottish ale. Okay. It's always been the biggest selling beer, you know, up until the last, like, year and a half or so, because now Thor's Hammer is kind of – we're making more of Thor's Hammer than, oh, than wow. anything. But that Scottish beer, I really believe everybody gets that one – Flash of genius in their life, <laughs> and that was mine. So what that Scottish <laughs> ale has been paying the bills for, you know, 17 years now.
0: Wow. But what's the one that you're going to choose to crack open on the end of a long day to relax with? Mm, or or do you just I mean, bounce around? I mean,
2: I bounce around. People ask me all the time, what's my favorite beer? And I, my answer is always the one that's in front of me.
0: Right. That's a good <laughs> answer. <laughs> the best answer. That, that can yeah. be argued with. <laughs> I, I do. I bounce around. I mean, it's got to be so hard to when you create something. And and you have so much invested in all your creations to find a favorite. I mean, I can't imagine doing that. It'd be like picking a favorite kid.
2: The 4 o'clock crew, if I'm ever there at 4 o'clock, I try and get (laughs) out of there before the pub opens. They don't want me in the pub. They call me me the tip killer. What the hell is that about? So anyway, (laughs) but if I'm still there at 4 o'clock and I decide to go out and have a pint, my 4 o'clock crew, as soon as I come around the corner with a pint, they're like... (laughs)
0: <laughs> what's he gonna pick you know <laughs> oh my God. that's awesome you know what? they need to start doing a pool
2: yeah we should
0: that and you know what and they, the winner has to split the tips with your crew so that you're no longer well or b-
2: buy around it's <laughs> a better idea right
1: well when people so if people come it's four o'clock when you open
2: yes okay yeah we open uh Wednesdays and Thursdays, we open at 4 o'clock. Okay. And then Friday and Saturday and Sunday, we open at noon. And we're closed Monday and Tuesday, which oh. I still catch a lot of crap about. But. <laughs> well,
0: if you're going to be though. closed a day, Monday's the day to do it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, we got to thinking about it the one day, and most folks get two days off a week. And we started thinking, how come we don't do that? Seriously. <laughs> so, <laughs> you deserve so. it.
0: But do you really get two days off? No. Or do you just have a day where nobody's in the tasting room?
2: I don't get any days off. <laughs> I work every day. Yeah. And I'm not complaining about it. It's just... That's life. It's a labor of love. Yeah.
1: Yes. Well, do you guys also um, do you guys have food too?
2: Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. We um, at the time there were very few small breweries that did not have food brew pubs. Right. So when we opened our licenses as a brewery public house, okay. now since then, of course, there's a whole bunch of different models that have evolved, but at that time, that was the model. If you were small. Uh, you were making beer and serving food. And I was fine with that because food soaks up more beer and hopefully they'll drink more. (laughs) So, um, we bounced out of the gate with, um, burgers and sandwiches because it was fairly simple and we knew we wanted to do, um, something that was not exactly unique, but something that was a step above, you know, like drive through or like a roadhouse. Yeah. So we started doing, you know, what we considered to be gourmet burgers and, um, the, the menu's changed it 's gone back and forth over the years, but we 're still doing burgers and wraps and you know Mrs. Johnson makes all kinds of interesting soup and in the winter time we 've always got chili on all oh, the time okay
0: All right. Okay. so which one of your beers would you pair with that chili
2: um, loki red probably okay works very well with the with the chili <laughs> okay yeah
0: Good. what in, i mean i i 've been involved in a lot of you know wine tasting pairing stuff, and i 've done a little mm-hmm. bit when it comes to beer and food pairing, mm-hmm. but what I, I know less about what makes a good pair.
2: Well, you're looking for not only similar components, but also dissimilar components that okay. highlight each, uh, uh, item of the the menu that you're, that you're eating. So the one thing that makes the Loki work really well with it is got that, uh, a big base, but it's also um, real spicy because we've got some rye malt in it. So it's a little spicy, like the chili and, um, Loki's probably the most in your face beer that we make. So, you know, it's a little bit not only malt forward, but, you know, really hop forward. It's, it's pretty well balanced, but it's just a big, huge, in your face beer. And so I it like works. That. Yeah.
0: Just big shock of shock. Subtlety's not in my nature either. So <laughs> I, I love this. Like, you go, for, like, food or something. It's like this delicate thing. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. you dump the vat of gravy on it, please. Don't give me this, like, whisper. Pff, <laughs> whisper this little offhanded moment is brought to you by Jared's Neurosis. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so currently, how many beers do you have on tap there at the tasting room?
2: Typically, we try and have 10 on. Okay. okay. Uh, I think we're short one right now because uh, the the Happy Hell is Blue. So, but we've got the XIPA coming on pretty soon. So okay. it's usually anywhere from 8 to 10. Okay. Now, everybody says, really, only 10? God. <laughs> 10 seems like
0: a That's good a me, what? That's a lot.
2: In 2003, that was a lot of handles, man. <laughs>
0: No, that's a lot (laughs) of animals. Yeah, before you go to a place where they're like, I have 500 handles.
2: That seems a little much.
0: No. (laughs) I totally lost my train of thought just visualizing the 100 tap handles. I know. (laughs) So, but you mentioned earlier that some of the beers that you're canning. Mm -hmm. So people can also, well, I mean, obviously we want people to go to the tap room. But you can actually get them other places as well, correct?
2: Well, the right thing to do is to buy some beer at the brewery to take to your friends who couldn't attend. There you go. That's the best <laughs> gift of all, the gift of beer. It's the gift of love. I always
0: thought it was a child's laughter, but beer sounds better, actually. <laughs> oh my so
2: we, we started canning the Scottish Ale first. I started canning in uh, 2009. Yeah, my distributor at the time, the sales manager, actually looked me dead in the eye when I said, I think I'm going to put my beer in 16-ounce cans. He said, that's the dumbest <laughs> thing I ever heard in my life. Oh, wow. Craft beer in cans. You know, Bearmid lost a million dollars doing that. I said, well, I'm going to give it a shot. This feller back in Colorado is getting bloody rich doing it. I think I'm going to give it a shot. So we started canning in 2009. Nobody else was canning. I think Caldera was doing some, but that was about it. So we started off with Scottish and then we started doing, um, our IPA at the time. And then, um, we started doing, uh, Loki. I want to say in 2013, we started doing Loki and, uh, then peaches and cream ale—that's another one. My wife said we have got to have some kind of fruit beer in this pub.
0: And honestly, Love I mean, it. It, it sounds so good. Well, I mean, for if if you're like you know I like beer and you're you're like yeah. you know the man's man type, it's uh, but honestly, it, it's like refreshing beer. Yeah. It's really good. Yep,
2: I like well, that one. <clears throat> we like to add the peaches in late in fermentation. Because, um, you know, the yeast are, like, looking around going, "Well, we're running out of stuff to eat around here. Whoa. And they're starting to panic about the time you throw that in there. And so they pounce on those peaches, and they kind of pull all of that sweetness out of the peaches. So the beer's a little bit tart. But, you know, if you drink uh, or if you eat peaches, they are a little bit tart. Yeah. yeah. So in the end, it's, it's the beer doesn't come out real sweet like a lot of fruit beers do. Right. It's got so, a kind of good balance. Because sometimes
0: yeah. it, it's, like, either just like you – find yourself like oh my god did i just down some sugar but it's got that balance and yeah. that that's hard to achieve
2: we actually just canned about 100 cases of peaches and cream today oh wow oh, really so okay. um yeah well, hmm. that's I, I was drowned in beer i had to go home and take a shower so <laughs> yeah.
0: check me out I'm all clean. god forbid you get pulled over Now i swear to god officer i wasn't drinking i was canning it
2: they all know me <laughs> <laughs>
0: now, why is that that's
2: a- it's unfortunate but.
0: <laughs> How long does it take to, like, can that much beer, though? Yeah.
2: Well, if your canning machine is behaving itself, <laughs> we that's another thing is we started canning so early on. I mean, there really weren't a lot of small canning machines available at the time. So I have a one of the kind of grandfathers of the oh, wow. can, the small craft canning era. So there's a lot of quirks to this machine that a lot of <laughs> later machines that have come out after that have remedied. So we're constantly hammering on this thing and cussing at it. and <laughs> so. But it was working pretty good today. I'd, I probably destroyed about 150 cans yesterday trying to tune that darn thing so we wouldn't oh. have any trouble today. But, yeah, it paid off because we, we blasted through 100 cases in about two and a half hours. Wow. Yeah, two okay, and half three hours. Okay, that is way from. quicker than I expected. Yeah, we can get about 35 cases an hour out of it when it's running right. Wow,
0: that's impressive.
2: Wow. Well, there's a lot of machines out there that will do twice as much as that. But they're a hundred grand, and I paid forty for this one.
0: Well, that, and I think you know, maybe there's a little character, just like everything else, with what you offer at the brewery.
2: Boy, howdy!
0: Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> good. That good. So, again, you you said the hours before, but for people who want to go down, find yep. you, and experience it, tell them how to find you, where to get you, online and in person, all that fun stuff.
2: Everything's a block away in Estacada, okay? <laughs> so you won't have too much trouble finding it. But um, we're right on Broadway. There's only one stoplight on the highway, okay? That's Broadway. <laughs> if you turn the wrong way, you're going to drive into the river. So if you're probably going to turn the right way. Yeah, don't do that. It's, uh, if you're coming from Portland, it's a left at the light. Go yeah. to downtown. I'm a block and a half down. So uh, yeah. 326 North Broadway. And uh, so how would I describe that? Yeah, it's just like a block and a half off the highway. No, so it really find. is. Yeah. yeah, it's really close.
0: Easy yeah. to find. Yeah. Well... Molly and I like to have a little fun with all of our guests. Yeah. We don't tell them that we do this until afterwards because it's more fun to watch you guys panic. Mm Mm-hmm. But we like to—this whole thing is about getting to know the people behind Oregon's Mountain Hood territory.
2: I have no comment.
0: Yeah. So what more fun way to do that than to completely uh, ambush you with five random would-you-rather questions? Okay. Molly curates these online. They're completely random. She asks you these five questions. You just come up with the answer off the top of your head. We'll have fun and riff off of it a little bit. Okay. So without further ado, Molly, would you rather?
1: Okay. Would you rather babysit a crying infant for one day or have an unwanted house guest for a whole
2: week? A house guest I can torture for a week? You can't torture a kid. Are you kidding me? That's an easy one.
1: I was not expecting that answer at all. (laughs) This is why we do this. Okay, awesome. Good. All right. Would you rather be too busy or super bored?
2: Too busy. Yeah, I'm one of those. I knew that was coming. I'm one of those freaks that just. All the things. If I'm doing like three or four things at a time, I'm just like,
1: bring it on. (laughs) (laughs) You got this. Okay. All right. Would you rather uh, sing a song in front of complete strangers or your closest friends?
2: I don't know. Strangers would probably be nicer than my friends. They're all a bunch of jerks.
1: Oh, your friends. <laughs> I, 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 now, the follow up question is: Would your friends rather you sing in front of the strangers? <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, hmm, we can talk about your friends later. But <laughs> um, <laughs> would you rather be stuck on a broken ski lift hmm. or in a broken elevator?
2: Ski lift. Really? Yeah. Yeah. A lot better view. Mm -hmm. I'm usually with Mrs. Johnson, and that'd be fun. That
1: would be fun. Yeah. I like that spin, because the elevator thing, I would hyperventilate. That was so positive
0: for such a scary thing. It was so
1: positive. I'm with you, though. Get me out of elevators. (laughs) Um, Okay, last one. Would you rather spend the day with your favorite athlete or your favorite movie star?
2: Movie star. Who is it? Well, I can't tell that. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) They get me in trouble.
0: Okay, okay.
2: I dig it. Cool. Ken,
0: thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Well,
2: I appreciate the opportunity to speak to my my lovely public who, (laughs) I'm telling you, if you've been to Fearless Brewing Company and you've spent some money and uh, supported our company, I just want to say thank you very much. God bless you. It's kept me from having to get a real job for the last (laughs) 17, 18 years, and it's just... It's such a blessing to be in this industry and meet such wonderful people. And If you're one of those wonderful people, I just want to genuinely, honestly say thank you very much. So
0: sweet. (laughs) And I want to thank our viewers and our listeners. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. And then join us next time on Territory Tales.